your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network here for part two of our grand reopening podcast episode alongside Matt Lehman. Richard Morin here with you. Matt, it's been so long since we last talked. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's really been five minutes since we since we did part one of this, yeah, of this episode, but I don't want to break the fourth wall and confuse everybody listening at home, so let's just move on. Um, so in uh, in part one, of course, if you missed it, um, you can go back and listen to it. We talked about John Chaika, his uh, messy divorce with the organization, uh, sort of some of the questions around ownership and, and their financial status uh, as of right now and, and sort of kind of what's going on um, sort of at the at the top of the organization. But what we're going to get into today is what's going on in hockey operations with Chaika Gone, Of course, Bill Armstrong uh, hired to be the, the next general manager of this team. He will not work the draft uh, per his agreement with the St. Louis Blues, but he ain't missing much because there aren't any draft picks for the Coyotes to take. So it's all good uh, there. So, but I think the the big thing is what is going to happen with this roster are big pieces on the way out are big pieces on the way in. Uh, is it going to be much of the same roster coming back? And where does Rick Tockett fit into all of this? That's what we're going to be uh, discussing here today on locked on coyotes with Matt. But um, I think what I want to get into first is, is, is Bill Armstrong. You know, I think the Coyotes went with a hockey guy, which is, let's say, I mean, I guess now you could call John Trike a hockey guy, but I mean, John wasn't really a traditional hockey guy when the Coyotes hired him. I understand it was an entirely different ownership group, but uh, John, you know, I know he played hockey and I know he was obviously, uh, you know, founder of a, of a sports analytics firm and with a hockey angle to it but John was not a traditional hockey guy the Coyotes decided to go with that traditional hockey guy uh for this role do you think that's the right way to go here given the position that they're in well you mean you mean hockey as opposed to analytics yeah yeah sort yeah. of like yeah you know, non-traditional yeah. yeah I mean yes I, I'm not anti-analytics by any means I mean I never thought that John Chica was the wrong person for the job. Um, so if, if the Coyotes had gone with another John Chica, I wouldn't have um, necessarily thought poorly of that. But I liked, I liked the Bill Armstrong hire a lot, and here's why. Ideally, I think the Coyotes, in a, in a perfect world, would have gotten somebody who has significant NHL general management experience. But I think that that was probably a pretty unrealistic expectation. Um, you hear about the financial issues that the Coyotes are having. Are they broke? I don't know, but I'm not saying that. But there's been turbulence financially, certainly. Um, and they—it's not like they were one of the, you know, the big deep pocket, big money teams anyway. Um, so I think it was probably unrealistic to expect that. I'm just glad that they didn't go with a person who is a first-time executive like somebody who was just a scout for a long time or somebody who was just a player for a long time. Bill I'm just Armstrong, glad they didn't go with Pierre Maguire or Peter Shirelli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. I think that's completely, I mean, you, in all seriousness, I think you have to be relieved at that, that that's not the choice. Yeah. 
Because and, who, who knows what these guys were going to do? And all due respect to Alex and Javier, but like, honestly, given everything that's been going on, who, who knew, who could have guessed what they were going to do? They could have gone and picked up, they, they could have hired me for right. all I know. Like it yeah. could have gone with anybody. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think their choice of general manager reflects significantly on how they're going to run this organization. Is it going to be, I mean, it, Coyotes fans may remember the head coach was Wayne Gretzky back in the day. Now, that was before I was ever even watching hockey or cared about hockey, really. I kind of got into hockey like at the end of his tenure when Dave, uh, Dave Tippett took over. But what I do know is that those Coyotes teams weren't very good, and it's my understanding that the reviews on Wayne Gretzky, the head coach, were, were not great. And so you could have gone with the Wayne Gretzky version of a GM hire, right? Oh, we got Shane Doan as the general manager. Well, who the hell knows? if Shane Doan would be any good as a general manager, yep. right? I'm, I mean, and I love Shane Doan, and I think he's a great sports mind. When he used to come on the radio when I worked at 98.7, he was great. I think he's a great sports mind. Yep. And he, he might have done a really good job as a general manager. But you don't know that, and I, I'm glad that they went with an actual candidate, right? Not, and that's not a diss at Shane Doan. I, I think the world of Shane Doan. But a guy who is not just a name. He's not just you know, a crowd pleaser. Bill Armstrong is a guy that they hired because he has experience as in managing hockey. And, and I think that's all you can ask for. And we'll see what kind of job he does, but I, I think it was a good hire because it was probably as good as you're going to get resume wise without having to spend a lot of money. Well, given all the things we talked about on the last episode, vis-a-vis uh, you know, financial issues, late payments, you know, Look, Bill, Bill's got to get these guys, you know, on a schedule. Like, I don't care if you, you got to set up direct deposit or you got to set up, you know, auto payment like you do for your, you know, your car payment, whatever it takes. I mean, you got to, you got to get like, like Alex, you got to select auto pay right here. Like you just hit the button. <laughs> right. You can't, you know, come on, man. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that Bill is, I mean, look, I'm, I'm making a, a silly example, but there are going to be things like that, that, that Bill is going to have to teach Alex and Javier how to do the fundamentals of hockey management. I don't know what that is, but clearly Alex and Javier weren't doing it so well, given all the reports that have been going on in terms of just managing a hockey club. So Bill will hopefully be able to, to steer them in the right direction. I think that might've even, I mean, maybe that played a big role. They probably wanted somebody who could teach them. I mean, that, that would certainly yeah. make sense. So, um, but I think as far as Bill is concerned, you know, he's never been, uh, you know, the big general manager of a big NHL team before. So there's not uh, a lot of body of work to quote here when we're talking about transactions and signings and, and, and fun and exciting things like that. But I think when you look at where this organization is right now, yes, they, you know, had their first playoff run since 2012. They knocked out the predators in a best of five series, they were, they just didn't show up uh, in a series against the the Colorado Avalanche, and now people are thinking, hey, maybe this isn't the right group. You know, maybe this Oliver Ekman Larson, maybe he's just not not right for it. You know, maybe Darcy Kemper, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL for sure over the last couple of years. Maybe he's your biggest trade chip. Maybe you need to get rid of Darcy Kemper to get something back. Maybe you need to make some wholesale changes on this roster. I don't know where you stand on just how much construction is required here, but um, I guess, are you expecting 4th of July fireworks this offseason, or are you expecting some 
you know, late August, oh, I forgot I had these fireworks in my garage. Let me set off a couple before, you know, fall starts. What, yeah, what do you I mean, In a normal year, I would say that, that, that they're going to have to do a lot. <clears throat> but because of the pandemic, I think you're going to have a hard time trading some of those big contracts. I mean, I, I just I don't really know what NHL team would be would be wise to take on Oliver Ekman Larson's contract, you know. I, I just don't, I mean, why would you do that? Um, or Phil, even Phil Kessel. I, I just, it, it, there's a reason why Coyotes. still play for the Coyotes? <laughs> there's a reason why Coyotes fans and media members look at that and say, well, maybe they could trade him. There, there's a reason why we sit here and we say that. It's because it doesn't make sense for the Coyotes to keep that contract. And so if it doesn't make sense for the Coyotes, what, why would it make a world of sense for somebody else? Now, that isn't to say that no other team is going to trade for Oliver Ekman Larson. There, there's there's always a price for somebody. Um, there's always a deal that could be done, maybe. Um, so we'll see. I, I think the Coyotes might have a hard time with that, but um, I definitely think under normal circumstances, it would make a lot of sense to trade several of the players that are on the roster, including the ones that you mentioned, like Darcy Kemper. I mean, it, it, where where is Darcy Kemper and the Coyotes' relationship going? Right. Like what in what world is Darcy Kemper leading the Coyotes to a Stanley Cup eventually? I just don't think that's going to happen. I think the Coyotes could win a Stanley Cup someday, but I don't think Darcy Kemper is going to be the goaltender when they do it. So you might as well you might as well move him because he, he like you said, he's their most valuable trade piece. Yeah, exactly. So there's a big difference right between those two pieces like they're both, you know, well regarded players in terms of reputation, but Oliver's contract is not team friendly and this is going to be a buyer's market because of all the teams trying to cut costs in a flat cap scenario and for those who don't know the cap is not going up next year it is staying at 81.5 million dollars so teams do not have that normal inflation to the cap ceiling that they normally do so that is probably going to create a flooded market which will in turn become a buyer's market meaning that teams looking to add pieces are going to get the best deals that's that's probably how it's going to work so you look at a team trying to shop Oliver Ekman Larson you're probably not going to make out well but if you're trying to shop Darcy Kemper who's under contract at an extremely affordable rate for the next two seasons you could get an absolute steal for him and I want to go to a question that we got uh on Twitter from our our good friend uh Coyotes Avs 12 Matt I know you know uh uh the guy who goes by I love Connor Garland right now by his screen name uh on Twitter we're gonna answer his question right now he asked what return for Kemper and or OEL would make trading them worthwhile in your opinions we're going to answer that question right after this built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever the improved built bar is even better than that there's 18 amazing flavors that include nut and non-nut flavors and six new flavors including caramel brownie lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp that adds to their original flavors, the 12 original flavors, some of my favorites, orange, salted caramel, banana bread. I mean, you got to be kidding me. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And I know what you're probably thinking. Yeah, okay, well, another protein bar that's not good for me. Yeah, no, it's great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber and they're great for a keto diet for all those keto guys out there uh i mean you look at like let's let's take a look right now my favorite 
cookies and cream. I will eat cookies and cream, anything. Look at the flavor profile here. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. I mean, come on. How could you, if you're dieting or you just love good food, I mean, this this is absolutely for you. And Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. There is a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And I'm telling you right now, it's probably only going to last for a week or so. Uh, so you guys are going to have to jump on this. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you'll get $10 off your next order. Use that promo code LOCKEDON. $10 off at BuiltBar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. All right. We are back here on Locked On Coyotes. Part two of our grand reopening relaunch podcast alongside Matt Lehman, Richard Lehman. Uh, what, what did I just say there? What did I just do there? Did I just say, what did I say? You said Richard, Matt Lehman and Richard Lehman. <laughs> I say Matt Lehman and Richard Lehman. We're hitched. Oh my goodness. Well, well, we did, we did, uh, we did share a bunk bed for, for a time. <laughs> do you want to just take it back from the break again? <laughs> a little known story. No, we're leaving that in. We're leaving that in. Absolutely. All right. So we teased before the break, a question we got from, uh, from uh, one of our followers on Twitter at Coyotes Abs 12 wanted to ask uh what return for Kemper and or OEL would you make would make trading them worthwhile uh in your opinion so like we said before the break there are big things separating these two trade candidates one OEL has a massively unfriendly contract but again this guy is like he's right around 30 he's had years of extreme productivity and he just simply hasn't got it done under Rick Tocket but you might be able to convince a team that that OEL could be worth that price tag in, in, or, you know, if the Kyries have to eat some of that, so he could be worth, you know, $7 million a year, you know, under the right circumstances. Darcy Kemper would be a steal uh, on that contract. So what do you think the Coyotes need to be fishing for if, if they're going to trade one or two of these guys? And maybe we have to present different scenarios for each, but where would you kind of go with that? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's they're they're completely apples and oranges. They're just they're just totally different um, because mostly of their contracts um, and also just where they're at in their careers. Um, but yeah, I mean for Darcy Kemper, um, I, I said before the break that you know I said in what world is Darcy Kemper leading the Coyotes to the Stanley Cup? To clarify, I don't mean that Darcy Kemper can't do it. I mean I don't think the roster around him is good enough to do it while he's still the goaltender, just so that I'm clear on that. I'm not saying he, he's not a, a cup-worthy goaltender, because he is. He's really, really good. Uh, I just don't love the roster that's around him. But I think the Coyotes can get something pretty good for him, because you're right, he's on a really team-friendly deal. He's playing the best hockey he's played in his career. Um, and I think you could get at least a first-round pick for him, but it just depends. I mean, if there's not teams out there that are willing to, to give up uh, a whole lot for a goalie. If there's just not a lot of goaltender needy teams, if you can't get a trade bidding war for his services going, then you might just have to take the best offer that's on the table. And I have no idea what that would be. It's got to be at least one really high draft pick, like at least one pick in the first round, uh, I would think. Uh, and maybe, maybe a prospect along with it. Uh, I think Oliver Ekman Larson's a completely different scenario. Yep. Um, I think he's still a good player i just don't think that he's been playing his best hockey recently particularly under head coach rick tockett um i just don't think that that's been the, the best uh hockey that we've seen out of all of rick Larson in his career 
Um, and he's got a lot of years and a lot of money left on that deal, which if I were a general manager, I would not want that contract. I would take Oliver Ekman Larson, but I don't like Oliver Ekman Larson's contract. So it's going to take some negotiation to get another team to take Oliver Ekman Larson right now. Like you said, maybe the Coyotes retaining some salary. Maybe the Coyotes have to attach something with Oliver Ekman Larson yeah. to get another team to take him. Uh, because not only not only are you talking about money in a pandemic, but this is a cap league. So uh, both of those two things present significant challenges, I think, for trading Oliver Ekman Larson. So when you talk about attaching somebody, we obviously know Darcy Kemper might be the most, and when I say attractive, I mean attractive for the perspective of the would-be acquiring team. So Darcy Kemper might be the most attractive trade target for teams, but who else on this roster is tradable that you would consider maybe attaching to Oliver Ekman Larson? My mind goes right to Connor Garland. And I know Coyotes Mm -hmm. fans are going to hate to hear that because they love Connor Garland. How could you not? I mean, the way this kid plays the game, it's, it's infectious. I mean, it's, it's, it's very endearing uh, to fans of the game. And of course, fans of the team uh, for which he plays, but, Let's face it, this dude is tradable. He makes no money, has a ton of years of league control, and honestly, at this point, I'm willing to say he's proven that he can score pretty consistently at the NHL level. So as as much as somebody his age could have proven by at this point. So would you consider attaching Connor Garland to an OEL deal? And I know there were reports that if the, the Boston Bruins, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to get Tory Krug uh, to stay in Boston, that's at least where things stand right now. If that happens, they're going to be pretty short on the left side of their D. And look, that money that they would have gone to Krug has got to go somewhere. Would they consider, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson, if the hometown kid situate Massachusetts, Connor Garland gets stitched right uh, on there, would they consider maybe flipping some uh, some prospects, Trent Frederick, Jack Studnicka, some guys like that, maybe a pick or two over there, Look, I'm just throwing out one trade scenario, and I'm not saying we have to break down that specific trade scenario, but I think that's probably what it's going to take to move a guy like Ekman Larson. Regardless of his reputation, that contract is going to turn people off, and you're going to need to you know, compensate in other areas. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair assessment, um, and, and I think you know th- that is the challenging thing. The Coyotes don't have an abundance of players on their NHL roster that you could really attach to an Oliver Ekman Larson deal. And you don't really have any draft picks to trade. That's part of the, the predicament the Coyotes are in. And you don't want to trade prospects because you're looking probably for the Coyotes at minimum a retool, if not a rebuild. So <laughs> I just don't know what else you do. Uh, I mean, certainly for a team like the Coyotes, especially, but really any team, it's a backbreaker to have to trade a fan favorite really two fan favorites, because I think Oliver Ekman Larson is pretty well liked among the fan base. He's certainly the longest tenured Coyote on the team. Fans have a lot of memories with OEL. I think fans like him. I mean, he's very active in the community. He's very engaging with fans. You know, I I, I, I have gotten the impression that he's very well liked. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I, sure think, you have to. I think any team is always, it's always difficult to trade fan favorites. I think especially a team like the Coyotes that really just can't afford any more loss of equity with fans or, or the community, anything like that. I mean, you, you need as much engagement with your fan base as possible. 
and <laughs> trading Connor Garland and OEL would hurt that. But if it helps you win, uh, winning is probably the thing that'll please the fans the most. So, well, they, I mean, look, the, the problem with this team is the problem with the team that's been persistent for a long time, and it's down the middle, it's centermen. Yeah, we don't know what Barrett Hayton's going to be. You know, Derek Stepan is, and it, honestly, I know that Oliver Ekman Larson is the captain, but this has felt like Derek Stepan's team for a long time. I yeah, think he, I can... he's. I think he's yeah. the leader in, in the room, and but you know the, the skill and the speed just isn't there with him. Um, and you know Carl Soderberg, Brad Richardson, are they going to be back? I don't know. I think Christian Dvorak, you could pencil him in, uh, you know, as as a second, third line center, but he's certainly not a first liner. Look, they need an elite centerman. So when you look at a guy as tradable as Darcy Kemper, do you just settle for picks, or, or you know, could you maybe try and gun for a legit center and look? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but reports this week that, you know, maybe something's going to happen with Jack Eichel. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Darcy Kemper for Jack Eichel, who says no? I know who says no, but I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's like, that's the kind of guy you need to get. And, you know, I know there's people saying like, don't trade Kemper unless you can get that guy. Is that, you know, do you really want to die on that hill? Are you saying that don't trade your most tradable guy unless you can get, you know, a legit number one center? If there's another good deal there, I'm taking it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm more of the opinion that he ha- that you really need to trade Darcy Kemper. Now, obviously, if you think you can get something more for him later than you can right now, then sure, wait. But I don't like the 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 idea that, oh, well, you have to get blank for Darcy Kemper. I don't like that because what's the alternative? So if you don't get blank for Darcy Kemper, then you're just going to keep him and let his contract run out. I mean, I, I guess if the best offer were a six round pick, fine, but you're obviously going to get more than that for him. You re- it's like I said, why, why would you keep him? He's not leading you to a Stanley cup. Your roster is trending in the wrong direction. You're probably going to lose Taylor Hall. Like it, it, you don't have an elite center. What, what, it, what good does it serve other than just sell jerseys and be somewhat competitive? Other than that, what, it, what purpose does it serve to keep Darcy Kempi on your team? So I, I don't like the idea that there's this like bare minimum bar that you yeah. have to get in order to trade Darcy Kemper. I think you get whatever the market will bear. Uh, and so it just really depends on what the offers are. If the best offer you get is two second round picks and you shop them for months and that's your best offer, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you just going to keep them? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I know it's tough. Like it's because, like you know, we're going to get into into the prospects in, in the next segment. But like, yeah, like you said, I mean, this the analytics will tell you that Darcy Kemper will probably decline before the Coyotes get competitive, or like if if they're ever going to compete for a cup with any semblance of this core. Darcy Kemper will probably not be playing at this level anymore. I mean, that's just what the analytics tell you about goaltenders. They just don't last right. very long and they don't really play consistently for years and years. It's very rare. And we've seen it with Kemper in his own career. It's not like this guy's like Kemper hasn't always, I mean, he was an irrelevant goaltender a couple of years ago. And like, look yeah. at him now, he could go back to that next year and nobody would bat an eye at it. I mean, honestly, yeah. right? Cause that's, that's the way goaltending is. So part of me is like, yeah, if the best you can get is two seconds, but the other part of me is like, Man, like how a like just imagine being another team right now and seeing Darcy Kemper is available. If you're like a legitimate, like if you're a Colorado or somebody like that, where 
just an elite goaltender would just put you over the limit. I mean, I have to imagine you you would be willing to uh, pay a premium for that, but maybe I'm I'm kind of idealizing there. But we're going to get into uh, the prospects and and sort of what's going on now with the Coyotes in their future, given the fact that they have such a dearth of draft picks. What's in their pipeline? What can Coyotes fans look forward to in a few years? All that right after this. All right, we are back here on Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Richard Moore alongside Matt Lehman here. Uh, we're going to be talking in this segment about the prospects the Coyotes have. And I think the reason why it it does make even more sense to trade Darcy Kemper is the fact that you're feeling good about Ivan Prosvitov in the system. He has really gotten high reviews from, from scouts. He's gotten high reviews from evaluators uh, since being drafted by the Coyotes. I know Antiranta is injury prone, but Antiranta and Aiden Hill in a retool rebuilding year, that's good enough. That's all you need, right? Like in, in, in a year where you're probably not going to compete for much, or at least that's that's what we think the Coyotes are going to, you know, a direction they could go down this year. Um, that's probably enough. But again, I think the other part of this is what if the Coyotes try to compete? What if they try to like do it again? Like what if they try to go big and do it all again. I mean, I know it seems unlikely with somebody who has the appearance of, of being as pragmatic as Bill Armstrong has. I mean, what if they try to do it again? Like, what if they're like, Hey, we got Darcy Kemper, we got OEL and you know, Clayton Keller is, you know, the greatest hockey player on the planet apparently. And we're good enough. You know, what if they, what if they try to do that? Is, is that, is it stupid to even suggest that they could do that? Well, I, I don't see it. But I, I mean, I, I don't even know what you would do. I mean, what what roster moves, transactions would you even make to get this team to a point where you could look fans in the face and say we're trying to compete? And, and I don't mean that to be overly harsh. It's just that, as we've already talked about in this episode, I mean, they're they're missing a lot. I mean, they're missing a top line center. Derek Stepan's not getting any younger. Oliver Ekman Larson has not played his best hockey the past few years under Rick Tockett, and he's got and he's taken up a lot of cap space. I mean, really, cap space is their biggest issue right now. Mm-hmm. And, and if they try to clear cap space, that's going to be difficult because of the pandemic and because of the flat cap and all those things that we've already discussed. So I, I just don't even know where where you start. I mean, they have the, their defensive core is pretty much all under contract. Ilya Labushkin's an RFA. But I, I don't know what forward group you're assembling. I, and I mean, look at last year. They probably don't even make the playoffs this past season, if not for the pandemic. And that roster is was much better, at least on paper, than anything you could probably hope to assemble for next season, because that roster had Taylor Hall. You know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you're, not, that's, you're probably not getting Taylor Hall back. So I just don't know where this winning is coming from. Yeah, and and that's why I I don't. I mean, look, I think cap space is a problem for them, but I don't think that's their biggest problem. I think talent is their biggest problem. Like they well, don't have, yeah. they don't have talent. Like they're they're just not very good. Of I mean, course, that, yeah, that, that became yeah. a abundantly clear in the Colorado series that they're, they're just not very good. It's just in a very good team. And even with Taylor Hall, this just wasn't a good team and that's a great player. And the team still wasn't good. Um, and I think the future of this team is hoping that Barrett Hayton and Victor Soderstrom pan out to be two of your building blocks. I think the future of this team is trading Darcy Kemper for another building block. Um, and I think the future of this team is moving on from Oliver Ekman Larson and parting ways with a valuable piece attached to him uh, if you have to. 
yeah. just to get rid of him because I think I think that's the future of this team. And if you can acquire some draft picks along the way because they don't have any uh, forever, then that would be helpful too because this is a team that desperately needs to add to its. I don't even know if you can call it a core because I don't really know what it. I don't even know if I don't even know if this core is is. I don't even know if that's like appropriate to call them a core because I, I don't I don't see it. Right. I, I, I don't, I mean, what, what, what about this quote unquote core gives you any kind of confidence moving forward? I mean, what is, what is Clayton Keller doing for you? I mean, I just, I just don't know. I mean, Jacob Chikrin was an interesting guy for me because for a while there, he looked like he might be like an elite defenseman. Remember the season when like we were sitting up in the press box and we're all like, Oh my God, Jacob Chikrin is like elite. Like, holy crap, he is, like, insanely good. And then all of a sudden, he's back to being, you know, the Jacob Chicken of the last few years. So I think the future of this team is just hoping you can get some consistency out of those guys, add some more building blocks, because the guys like the Darcy Kemper and Oliver ekman Larson, they're not going to take you anywhere. And if you think, you know, if you think a guy like Clayton Keller is going to take you somewhere, I don't see where you get off, but you know, I wish you the best of luck. You know, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the optimist point of view is that Jacob Chikrin's an elite defenseman who's still developing, and that Clayton Keller's going to develop into an elite forward. Uh, that's that's kind of the optimist's view, but I don't I don't really see that. I mean, I I don't I, look at some of the teams that that have been eliminated already from the from this postseason. Yeah, Colorado is not in the Stanley Cup final. Washington. Like, just go down like Boston. You think the Coyotes have a better roster than those teams? <laughs> no, no reasonable person would it's suggest that. Close. No, so, and I think that Colorado proved that it's not even close, right? Like, the level, the right. disparity is so large. They proved that. Now, I will say, I, I will say, I think the Coyotes played very poorly against Colorado. Like, I, in the press conferences after the, those Colorado, especially the two lopsided losses, what was it, like 7-1, right? Both the last two games? Yep. That, after those losses, I'm hearing, you know, I can't remember if it was players or media members asking questions, but kind of asking and talking about it, you know, oh, Colorado is so so much better. The Coyotes were so outmatched. Well, the Coyotes also played awful. Like, like, like let's not pretend, I said this on another podcast, let, let's not pretend that Colorado is 7-1 to one better than the Coyotes. The Coyotes won a game in that series. They, I'm pretty sure they beat Colorado in the regular season this year. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like, you know, a video game where you have like, you know, 99 overall players on Colorado and the Coyotes are like, you know, some garbage team on rookie level. But that being said, yes, the, the point your point is still well received, which is that the Coyotes still have a long way to go. Yeah, I, I just I, I think Clayton Keller is a good player. I think I think Jacob Chikrin is and will be a good player. But they're not Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And, and to live in this world where, it like, oh, yeah, well, the Edmonton Oilers have McDavid and we have Clayton Keller. And, you know, like, it's just, like, ridiculous, right? I mean, nobody, nobody would – and that's not – it's not even an insult, really, to Clayton Keller. It's just the people who have made these players to be something that they're not. I think Clayton Keller, like I said, is a good player. But he's not the best player on a team that wins the Stanley Cup. At least he's not yet. And and I think to pretend that he is is, is just foolish. It's just silly. So, he, you know, Clayton Keller can be Clayton Keller. 
But if we're asking him to be an elite star player on a team that wins the Stanley Cup or at least is in the playoffs every year, I think you're asking too much of him. That's just I, I, that's just what I think. So you're right. That was a long-winded way of saying you're right. There's this just isn't. They need more. They need things that they don't have. So Bill Armstrong has already cleared out pretty much everybody that Chai could put in place in hockey ops and scouting. I mean, they're all gone. It's going to be Bill's guys. Uh, we he may or may not do the same thing to the roster. One person who is still there is Rick Tockett. And he's gotten the support from the higher-ups. They think Rick Tockett is still the guy for the job. Do you? Uh, I, I do. I mean, I certainly wouldn't fire him. I definitely would not fire him. Um, I think I, – I don't – I've never liked the, the people who are screaming for Rick Tockett to be fired. Uh, I, I've never liked those comments. I've, I haven't been a fan of that. And, and the reason is because I don't think it's fair – to look at the Coyotes' many shortcomings and put it all on Rick Tockett. Yeah. I just don't think that that's fair. I think that there are other things you have to consider. First of all, like we just talked about, what are the realistic expectations for this roster? Because if you're waving your hand saying, well, Clayton Keller didn't score 35 goals. Well, so what? Is he a 35-goal player? Maybe, but no we don't know that. <laughs> yeah, talent. Or, it's talent. Like, you can't – like, you know, I, I understand, you know – could Rick Dockett have coached better? I'm sure, like he could have, right? But at the end of the day, this team just doesn't have a whole lot of talent, and they're just they're just not very good. And if you're Rick Dockett, it's like I'm smashing my head against the wall. Like, what else can I do? Like, you know, being a member of the media and covering this team every day, like you can, you can see how like committed Rick Dockett is to this team and how much work yeah. he puts in individually and as and with groups. And it's like my God, he must just be smashing his head against the wall. Like, what else am I supposed to do? Like, this team sucks, and I can't get them to play better. You know? Like, so yeah. so I, you're right. I mean, it's like, you can't put this all on. Oh, fire talking. It's like, fire the players. Like, you right. know I like you know what I mean? I mean, I, I understand the coach has to be the, um, the coach has to be the scapegoat sometimes, but not here. Not not here. Not this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that the Coyotes are, are just this mess, right? Like, I don't think, I mean, they were in first place in their division. They knocked Nashville out of a postseason turn, a postseason series. It's not like the Coyotes are just this heaping, you know, just abyss of like a lack of talent. I don't think that, but I also don't think that they're just stacked either. Like as, as if we're reading the names on the Coyotes, like it's just a who's who of NHL stars. It isn't. No. So so I think the real, the expectations have to be more realistic, but I also think you have to. I'm curious to see. Uh, now I don't cover the team anymore, so forgive me. But John McClain is no longer with the team, right? That's correct. So I'm curious to see what difference does that make. I mean, he's a guy who's gotten some criticism um, from from you know fans and and observers of you know maybe the guy who um, has has previously been tasked with forwards and the forwards aren't playing well i don't know i'm not trying to say it's john mcclain's fault i'm just saying take a step back and look at the other factors that might be contributing to why the team isn't playing up to your expectations maybe your expectations are too high or maybe the team just isn't very good maybe it's the assistant coaching maybe uh maybe the way that rick tockett um likes to play isn't um ideal for some of the players that he was given I, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe he isn't the right man for the job. I, I I don't know, but I just I don't like jumping to that conclusion. Well, my team didn't win the Stanley Cup, 
So it's Rick Tockett's fault. Now, <laughs> right. losing losing seven to one back to back games does not look good. No, to lose to end your season that way, it it does not look good. But having, like you said, having been around Rick Tockett, seeing his personality, listening to him speak to the media, I'm not inclined to believe that he's just there's just something that he's not doing. I just don't. Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. See, like I know why the public thinks that like looks bad on Rick Tockett, but like to me, that didn't look bad on Rick Tockett. Because I knew I knew what Rick Tockett was doing. I knew what his protocols were after that first lopsided loss to going into the second one. To me, that looks real you know, bad on Oliver Eichmann Larson. Looks real bad on Derek Stepan. Looks real bad on Brad Richardson. Looks real bad on Nicholas Jalmerson. Looks real bad on Alex Galagoski. Looks real bad on Jason Demers and the leadership group of that team. That's yeah. what it looks bad on to me because I don't see any I didn't see any fire. I didn't see any resilience, any compete any real leadership and there was zero accountability um, after the game, as you well know, uh, being involved in those um, press conferences after the game, there was zero accountability on the part of, of, of the leaders. And I think it really was kind of just a microcosm of, of some of the things that went wrong and, and, you know, expectations are interesting and this team had raised expectations coming into the year. And I think we all said at the beginning of the year, if this team makes the playoffs, then that's a good year. And, they made the playoffs and we still don't feel that way. Right. So it's kind of like things change throughout the season and especially how tumultuous this all was with the season pause and the pandemic and the expanded postseason. But I mean, we all did kind of say that before the season, right? So it's important to remember that like expectations are just that they're, they're what we expect of the team, but things happen during the year uh, that change those expectations. Coyotes were in first place in late January. You know, they were going to miss the playoffs two months later if they weren't rescued by um, the expanded postseason. So what are the expectations going to be for the team this year? We have no idea yet. We'll see what Bill Armstrong does with this group. But that's all the time we have here for our grand reopening relaunch podcast. Matt, thanks so much for uh, joining me and uh, talking Coyotes, man. It was so much fun. I know you're not on the beat anymore, but you're still sharp as a tack, my man. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck, Coyotes fans. Um, I, I, I wish the organization and the fan base the best. Um, I think there's some good pieces there. It's just a lot of work to be done. All right. Well, that's all we have today on Locked On Coyotes. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new week of podcasts chronicling what is ahead for this organization. Until then, bye-bye.